Hey, I'm glad you're with us here today. Let me tell you about my daughter, Sayla. She's four now, and she is a fireball. She loves competition, and she loves attention. Now, one of my favorite stories about Sayla is when she was two years old. You see, there were times where we were playing as a family, and I was giving my son Elijah my attention. Or maybe he was telling me a funny story, and I was laughing at him. And my, and my daughter, Sayla, she'd had enough of this. So she would march to the middle of the living room. She would get right in the middle. She would stomp her foot. She'd throw her head back and she would yell, me, me, at the top of her lungs. Just me, like me. In her little world, she wanted what she wanted. And yelling me was her way of demanding. Now, now that's a, a funny story about a two-year-old yelling me, but it's not so cute when it's our spouse who's declaring me with their actions, is it? It's not so laughable when it's your coworker who behind your back is behaving me. And it's certainly not funny when it's our own heart and our own mind declaring me as we go through life. In fact, I would, hesitate, I would say that we're, we're seeing a lot of me in the media right now, on the news right now. And I want to propose today that, that you cannot follow Jesus the way he intended if me is the declaration of your heart and your life. And so for many of us who, who go out into the world and we claim to be Christians, we need to do a serious inventory today to see what our life, what our actions truly declare. Do they declare me to the world or do they declare he? So with me in mind, let's look at something Jesus claims is the, the very center of his teaching. You ready? You see, there's this ancient prayer called the Shema. It's divinely inspired by God and it was penned thousands of years before Jesus ever walked the earth. This prayer, the Shema, it's timeless though. You see, as the ancient world changed and shifted, the prayer remained relevant. In fact, Jesus as a young boy would have prayed the Shema, this ancient prayer, every morning and every evening. And as Jesus grew up and, and he became a rabbi and then a prophet, this prayer was something that eyewitnesses recorded him discussing. Matthew 22, verse 35, Jesus is about to have a, a theological debate, a showdown with a religious expert. You see, they wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted to, to discredit him. And so they were, they were yelling, me, while Jesus was, was pointing to, to he. And so right here in Matthew twenty-two thirty-five, 35, it says, an expert of the Old Testament law, like, like an expert in the Bible, tested Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Like, like which one's the most important? And you know they had their answer. You know that they knew what they believed, but they wanted to see how Jesus would respond. Jesus replied in verse 37, he says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. He's quoting Deuteronomy here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he continues. The, 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 man, the man, the expert, only asks for which is the one greatest, but he gives him another. He says, and here's the second. Love people as yourself. 
Like, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love people as yourself. Of course, for those familiar with the orchard, you know this is our vision. We have t-shirts that say, love God, love people. We want this written on more than our shirts. We want this written on our hearts. This is important to us. We didn't make this up, though. I can't copyright this. This is from, this is, has its roots in this ancient, divinely inspired prayer. But listen, because Jesus has more to say about this. In verse 40, he continues. He says, all the Old Testament law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. I mean, all the Old Testament law and prophets, the entire Old Testament, right here, the entire Old Testament is summed up by, by these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love people as yourself. And I just got to ask you, does the Bible confuse you? Does Christianity seem hard to understand? Because we can cut through all that to the heart of the matter Jesus speaks, and he simplified the Bible. He simplified following him to two things, love God and love people. That's the two directives that he gave us. And I want you to, to hear me on this. You cannot love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love people as yourself. If your life and your heart declare me. So what happens when we what happens when we step into this ancient prayer and begin to live in it? What does it mean to, to, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, to love God with all your heart, I mean that's our affections, right? That's what we love. Your heart, when it's in right alignment with God and his heart. That's how you love God with all your heart. This means that, that you love what he loves. And more importantly, you love how he loves. And to love God with all your soul. I mean, your soul is the deepest core of who you are. And when you, when you love God from the, from the truest part of you where your imprint that he gave you resides, that's when you live from your truest identity. Love God with all your mind. I mean, every single thought that goes through your head, you take it captive and make it obedient to how he would want you to think about things that, that glorify him and, and good thoughts, not the anxiety, the anger, lust, or bitterness. Love God with all your strength. I mean, this isn't about your muscles. This is about loving God with all the strength of your influence and your resources and your, and your means. It's, it's me loving God with everything I can bring to bear in my life. That my influence, my money, my means. I love God with all that and try to forward his kingdom. It's a beautiful thing to, to live the Shema, this ancient prayer. It's an amazing thing to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and when I do that first part, when I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that first part, well, the second part of the prayer, love people as myself, becomes a natural overflow. Loving people like God does Loving people as myself is simply the tangible evidence that my life is truly rooted in God and that I'm loving him the way he asked. If I love God that way, I will love others as he loves them. And that's why there's all these verses throughout the Bible. And we could fill the rest of this with just verses on this that back up these two verses that Jesus said are central. I mean, Romans 13, 8 through 10, 
It says, owe nothing to anyone except the obligation to love each other. If you love other people, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Like everybody's like, what does God want of me? What does God want of me? If you love other people, you'll fulfill the requirements of God's law. And then he goes into all these mentions of the Old Testament Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments. They go into this in Romans. It says, For the commandments say you shouldn't commit adultery, you, you must not murder, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't covet. These and other such commandments, all those commandments, yeah, yeah, they're summed up in this one. Love people as yourself. Continues in verse 10. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Then we have the golden rule found in Matthew 7, verses 12. This is Jesus, again speaking, and recorded by eyewitnesses. He says this, Do to others what you would have them do to you. Like Love others the way you want to be loved. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Word. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Why does doing for others what you would have them do for you and, and loving people as you love yourself, why does this fulfill the law of God? Because this means you are actively living out an inward reality of all that God is doing within you. You cannot love others. You cannot love people the way that God's asking us to unless it comes from a heart that is loving God, the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's take a, I want to take a closer look at this, love people as myself. We're going to settle on this today. It says to love someone as myself. What does this mean? It, it means I literally pursue for others, like what I would pursue for myself. It means I, I hope for others what I would hope for myself. It, it means I give to others what I would want for myself. To behave towards others as I would want them to behave towards me. As much as my heart would declare, me, as loud as my heart would say that, I, want, I need to, to, to declare we and love you in that way. I want to double down on the importance of this and the intensity of Jesus' central challenge here. Let's look at the Greek word for this, this word that Jesus uses when he says the word love. He uses the word agape here. Agape people as you agape yourself. Now, there's, there's many words for love in the Greek and, and used in the Bible. But agape is, is the, it's like the grandest of them all. Agape is that, that big and, and wonderful love that just covers a multitude of sins. It's this vast, epic love. And most importantly, agape love is unconditional. I mean, agape doesn't love with maybes or if-onlys. Agape loves period. Regardless of behavior, regardless of beliefs, regardless of background, regardless of the future, agape is how God loves those who are in Jesus. Agape is the love that, that we receive from him, unconditional based on my behavior. What an incredible gift. We, we, we love God's agape love. We love this. Thank you for loving me despite how I mess up. But he asks us to love others that way. Whew. That's a bigger challenge. I love agape from the top down, but, but to agape others? Oof. That's a whole different story. 
What a challenge. If, if God just said, you know, love others, that's different. You know, I love tacos too. I, I, I love sushi. I love the Broncos. Just love others. No, no, but he says to agape others as myself. To love them without condition. I mean, if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to agape others the way that God agapes me, what would that look like? Two things off the top that you would receive are, are grace and mercy. J- just two of many. Grace is when God gives me good things that I don't deserve. God gives me grace. This grace is the blessing of forgiveness that, that I didn't earn. I don't deserve So when I agape others as myself, I give them grace. I forgive them. I give them blessing that they haven't earned. I give them forgiveness that that maybe I don't feel they they deserve. Another thing God gives us in agape is, is mercy. This is when he doesn't give us what our behavior deserves. You see, my sin, my disobedience, that deserves his judgment. Yet he gives me mercy. To agape other people with mercy, it means I don't give them that anger or bitterness or even my cold indifference that I think they do deserve. I mean, even if I feel completely justified in my bitterness because they've done something to me, to agape others as myself means that I do not give them my judgment or my bitterness. This is hard. The bottom line is, that we enjoy and we receive a bounty of blessing and grace and mercy from God's agape love. And we're asked asked to be be conduits to pass that on, this agape, to other people. Agape does not wish for retribution. Agape prays for redemption. Agape does not just sit and hope for someone to get comeuppance. Agape seeks for them to come to Jesus. Agape releases a person from my agitation and instead seeks their salvation. See, see, but I I know your heart, it it has a rebuttal like mine. Oh, oh, but, but you don't know. You have no idea how terrible this person is. You don't know what they've done. I mean, surely... If, if God knew, he would give some wiggle room. I mean, look what they've done. Look how much they've hurt me. Surely there's some qualifiers. I mean, it, it says clearly over and over, love people, agape people. There's no wiggle room. There's no qualifiers. There's no asterisks on this. God puts no qualifier in here to tell us that we should love a certain type of person. You see, we're actually just to love the human type. You know, like those ones that God gave his life for, the ones Jesus died for, those people, all people. I shouldn't have to even say it, but I need to elaborate, I think. What agape means is it means that we love those of all genders, all races, all economic levels, all orientations, all political affiliations, all careers, all religious beliefs. I mean, all people. There's no qualifiers in God's kingdom for who we should or shouldn't love. And if, if we have any of those people 
who we just can't seem to bring ourselves to agape, to forgive, to give grace and, and mercy, we, like, we need to know in that case that we don't stand with the authority of the Bible. And in fact, we stand opposed to it. God takes this very seriously. And he's, he's crystal clear. Love God. Love people. This is so challenging. So challenging for, for me. It was important to take an inventory to see who I'm not loving the way that God would have me love. It was important to ask that question. Because we each have people that make this a very hard message for us. Don't we? You know who's coming to mind. You might be sitting next to them, but, but like, don't tell them right now. Let's wait to the end of the sermon. You see, there are people in our life who we flat out don't love. And not with agape. The person who, who, who's hurt us deeply. I, I don't want good things for them. The person in our office that, that needs to be brought down a few notches. Like, I don't want them to succeed and get that promotion. The, the person on social media that posts perfection that we just want to get exposed. The person you harbor bit bitterness towards that, that you hope gets some sort of repayment. I mean, I mean, there's those who irritate us and we just avoid them. We want nothing to do with them. Listen, I get this. I deal with this. We all deal with this. But we need to recognize that in those situations, in these scenarios, with these people that God loves, if we don't repent and come back into alignment with God's heart, we're on precarious footing because we aren't standing on God's truth in those places with those people. You see, the problem here is that when we hope people, quote, get what's coming to them, we don't want that for ourselves, do we? When we live, love God, love people, when we actually live this, when we agape other people, it means we want for them what we want for ourselves. And, and I, Jesus said, love people as yourself, because I'll just be honest, I want to be forgiven when I mess up. I, I want people to give me grace. I want people to, under, to extend understanding to my point of view. I want people to walk a mile in my shoes. I want people to overlook my flaws. And so, if I'm going to love others as I want to be loved, I love others as myself, the Bible's clear. I, I need to offer that grace to them, that mercy to them. It's so challenging, which, which is, again, proof that this is why we have to be divinely resourced to, to do this. To, to love people as myself, I must love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, see we need to turn our unforgiveness our biases, our anger, our bitterness, our racism, our indifference. We need, to, we need to turn that over to God and ask His forgiveness. And the best part about His agape love is He forgives. He forgives us. You see, we need to pause and consider right here, like who do I need to ask God to forgive me for not loving that way? Who am I in my mind and my heart treating terribly? Or even my words, or my tweets, or my posts. Like who do I need to ask God to forgive me? Who are, quote, those people in my life that, that I just do not love like myself? And we need to ask God's forgiveness because we're out of alignment with his kingdom. 
let me, let me make it personal because it sounds like I'm just challenging you to do something, you know, just go do this. But I would never ask you to do something that I haven't done. And I've had a lot of soul work on this. You see, before I moved back here to Colorado, I was in, in Georgia and I, I was working in a church there and life was going really well. But, but I was betrayed by somebody so close to me in such a catastrophic way that I resigned from my ministry job and I just went into a deep, dark valley. I was broken and my dreams were crushed by this person's decisions. After the fallout, you know, the anger and the tears, at some point, like, I realized I, I've got to move on past this hurt. God made it clear that if I'm going to really move on, I need to forgive this person. <laughs> but, but, but not like forgive them for their benefit. I need to forgive this person for my soul. Because if I didn't forgive, I would be the one that was going to be remaining shackled by bitterness. I remember being challenged by God's word as I read it. It was so clear to, to let this person go, to forgive them for what they've done to me. And it seemed impossible at the time as I read it. I mean, I mean, how do you forgive somebody who intentionally train wrecked your life? And I sat there for a while. And, and I realized, though, I wanted freedom. And so I began to pursue forgiveness of, of this person, which is a long and difficult road. But you know what? It's not near as long or as difficult as the road of living the rest of my life with resentment and bitterness. That's a longer road. That's a harder road. Forgiveness is a, is a fork in the road of the person that you're going to be in the future. The path of forgiveness leads to freedom where there's joy. The path of bitterness leads to captivity where there's resentment. And God made it clear. He said to me clearly, my son, you need to pray for that person the way you pray for yourself. <laughs> Is there anyone else up there? Anybody else have an opinion? Like, I need to pray for them the way I pray for myself. Are you kidding me? Like, do you know how I pray for myself? He's like, yeah, I, I know. Because I'm like, God bless me. Bless my health. Bless my finances. Bless my emotions. Bless me. Bless my life. Bless my friends. Bless my job. God bless me. You want me to pray for, for them how I pray for my, myself? I mean, loving others as myself means praying for others like I pray for myself. What a colossal mountain to climb. To pray for the one who'd hurt me the same way I would pray for my own benefit, my own self. Like, like pray for their blessing. I remember the first time I did this, I, I prayed, the, I tried to pray this prayer. The first time, I, I'll never forget, I tried to pray this prayer of blessing for them and it tasted so bitter. It tasted bitter in my mouth. God, bless their relationships. Bless them emotionally. I mean, like it was just, it tasted like poison because it was. It was this poison from inside my soul. You see, praying for other people the way that you want to pray for yourself, that's soul detox. That begins to draw out just decades of old bitterness that's found a foothold within, foothold within inside of you. 
Now, now God made a few things clear. I need to clarify this as well. Um, just because I need to pray for them like this and love them with God's love, it doesn't mean I ever had to trust them again. It didn't mean I had to like being around them or ever even be around them again. But, but I did need to love them in my heart with agape. It was a long journey. I prayed for a long time without fully meaning it. But, but prayer changes our hearts. And I remember, I remember when I got to the point where I could pray for this person to be blessed, and I meant it. It was as if the last chain on my heart had broken off. I, I prayed forgiveness to let that person go. But in that moment, it, it was me who walked away unchained. You see, there's a power in loving people like yourself and praying for people like yourself that aligns you with heaven. It transforms you. Who is it you can't pray for the way that you would pray for your own self? Who is it that if you had to pray blessing for them, like in all those different ways, it would just taste that poison from inside? Who's the last person you want to be praying, God bless them? Well, that's the person I want you to start praying for. I want you to start at it. And I want you to keep at it. Anytime that person comes to mind, and you, you know this happens, anytime they come to mind, those old tapes of anger and sadness or resentment, stop them, rebuke them, and instead, in that moment, pray that God bless them. Here's the rule. Anytime they come to mind, pray that they are blessed. I'm telling you, you want to experience true life change you'll be astounded what's on the other side of this as you begin to pray for those that you hate the most. Pray for those that have, that have hurt you the most. Love God, love people. I mean, it's, it's the greatest call of heaven. Loving God and loving people, is, it's, that's like the truest you that God created you to be. Loving God and loving people as yourself is, is the purpose for which you were born. I am on this planet to love God and love people, period. No matter what career I have, no matter what location I'm in, I'm on this earth to love God and love people. Whatever title comes after my name, whatever my address says, any other qualifier in my life does not change my divine purpose to love God and love people. And it, it, it doesn't change yours either. You see, jobs come and go, but, but this purpose is forever. And you may have a job, you may have a career, but when this world passes, like what will you do then? What, what, will, you, what will you put your hands to? What will you work at then? You see, I, will, there be, will there be doctors in heaven where there's no pain? I don't think there'll be lawyers in heaven. And not because they're not allowed in. <laughs> Some of my best friends are lawyers. You should always make friends with lawyers. Um, Some of my best friends are lawyers. And what I mean is, in heaven, litigation is unnecessary because there's no injustice. You see, in heaven, will we need preachers and counselors? And we'll have the Holy Spirit fully present. 
You see, our jobs, our activities, our titles, how we identify ourselves by what we do, it's gonna pass. That's not our truest and deepest calling, but to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love people as myself, well, that's a purpose that echoes into eternity. Orchard, God's looking for people who take him at his word. God is looking for people who answer when he calls. Uh, people who will love him so radically and love their community so deeply. Well, that spiritual awakening, revival happens. I want, I want, I want to be that church. I want us to be that people that, that we love God truly with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and that, that we go forth and we love people all people, no asterisks, in the same way that we love ourselves. For that to happen, for this to happen, to be those people, we have to immerse ourselves in this ancient prayer that Jesus prayed every morning and every night, the Shema. It needs to be a part of our DNA. You see, we need to, we need to paste and plaster it everywhere around our reality so that our heart and our minds are consistently immersed and reminded of it. And here's how I know. Listen to God's original design when he, when he first spoke the Shema. Deuteronomy 6. He says, listen, my people. I'm your God. Only God. And you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He goes on. Write this on your heart. Like, like don't, don't just read it in a book. Write it on your heart. Get it inside of you and teach it to your children. Talk about this wherever you are, whether you're sitting at home or, or out on the street. Talk about this from the, the time you wake up until the, the time you fall asleep at night. Tie it around your wrist or your forehead as a reminder. Like inscribe it on your doorpost of your home and your city gates. Like, like write this down wherever you'll see it daily. And I would hope this is something that we can apply. To, to write this ancient prayer down where you'll see it when you wake up. To write it down so you're reminded throughout your day that the, the central calling of God, the central calling of you, of loving God and loving people, we need to think about this throughout our day. Our heart needs to be reminded and immersed in it. And may we, may we pray this before we go to sleep like Jesus did. It's a simple message, so simple. It's so easy to understand, but, but come on. This is so challenging to apply, isn't it? I mean, if you claim to love God and follow Jesus, I mean, he calls you to love others as yourself. And for some of, the, for some of us to apply this means that we need to make some adjustments today. Not just to plaster this around so we're constantly immersed in it, not to pray at morning and night, all that we do, but beyond that, to make some adjustments. to truly begin praying blessing for that person that you don't want blessed. This one thing, if you apply repeatedly, it will radically transform your life. I promise you. I've experienced it. I've lived it. I've seen it. For other, others of us today, we need to, to make some amends. Some of us need to go to another person and ask their forgiveness we, I would, and name it. I was wrong here. 
Will you forgive me? Because we've been behaving contrary to God's call. We have not been loving them as we love ourselves. And I need to ask forgiveness. Some of us need to go to another person and give forgiveness. Because we've been harboring bitterness. And it's time to set ourselves free. Whatever it is that you need to do, don't skip this. This, love God, love people. This is the path of following Jesus. This is the path of following Jesus. This is the foundation of your spiritual life. This is the heartbeat. This is the pulse of God's heart. And from Jesus' mouth, this is the summary of his word, his divine revelation. His love letter to you says, love God, love people. I mean, this, love God and love people, this is truly the original and authentic Christianity. Not, not what you see in the news, not what you see in history. This is, this is what it means. So today, what do you need to do in response? Who do you need to pray blessing for repeatedly and ongoingly until you can pray blessing with and mean it and mean it? Who do you need to pursue forgiveness? Who do you need to offer forgiveness how do you need to go about rearranging your life so that love God, love people is the central reality and you are immersed in it throughout your day? Like, how would you do that in your home, in your office, in your car? And it says to teach your children this. Write it on your heart and teach your children. Like, there's no greater gift you could pass on than to have your kids grow up and leave the home knowing that to follow Jesus, they love God and love people. Arm your children with that reality. So, today's message, simple but challenging and, and changing. So let's step into this. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you today as you're sitting here online with me, wherever you are across the nation, many of you that tune in from different places, wherever, you, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're watching, I just want to pray that, that in the name of Jesus, you would be blessed today that God would bless you, that he would give you a boldness to step into these things and that God's spirit would reveal truth to you and that God's spirit would convict you to change, to repent, and that you would be somebody who begins to, to move forward and pursue with all your might. May you pursue love God and love people and may that define you. So be blessed in the name of Jesus. Orchard, I'm so glad you joined us today. I love you. I'm praying for you. As always, love God, love people.